You're listening to The Impulse Forum, where imagination, education, and inspiration create enterprise. episode, I feel very privileged to interview and share the story of our very special guest, Master Life Coach, Business and Leadership Development Consultant, Coach Chris Cachera. A serial entrepreneur since he was eight years old, Coach Chris was on the cutting edge of the fitness movement in the early 80s as a gym owner and eight-year national title holder in competitive bodybuilding. Since moving to the Central Coast in 2008, he has become the leading voice in preventative health wellness and fitness, and a pillar serving the community as founder of Prevention on Purpose, a local event forum for world change. In 2017, Coach Chris further established his reputation among the healthcare community as a visionary entrepreneur when he opened Regenesis 360, an innovative lifestyle concierge center that has become an invaluable source for life transformation for his many clients. Coach Chris is also a published author with an inspiring message to today's young people in his book, Lessons from the Gym for Young Adults. And that is why we are very excited to have him on this episode of The Impulse Forum. You know, Kevin, um, I met Coach a number of years ago, and he had a seminar on health and and how to eat and all that sort of thing. Um, Very, very informative, very good. And if I would have followed what he told me, um, I wouldn't have diabetes right now. But um, I didn't, and which goes to show we can get all the good information that we want, but unless we put it into practice then what good is it? But this man is a wealth of knowledge. So welcome to the program, Coach Chris Cachera. Thank you. Great to be here with you guys. It's interesting at my age now, having been an entrepreneur for 40 years and have gone through this whole journey of life, um, I I do a workshop called Connecting the Dots, and I I connect the dots myself. And how did Chris Cachera arrive here in 2021, you know, at 62 years old? You know, where did that all start? And it started really about at eight years old, you, you know, talk about being an entrepreneur since eight. And what that means is that I was bored. I didn't have a mentor. I was, uh, uh, my mom raised five kids all on her own, so didn't have a father. And, uh, you know, I was an angry kid. So I had to find things to keep me busy. And one of the things that, that I did was uh, my dad had left a bunch of tools at the house and was never around. So I just started looking at the tools playing around with them. And I was buying old broken down bikes, fixing them and selling them at eight years old. So that began my journey of, of going, wow, I can make my own money. Then I started mowing lawns and doing things like that. Uh, and it just gave me an outlet and a, and a, a freedom to get away from the house, which was totally dysfunctional. And, you know, with all these other kids and my mom did the best she could, but it just, uh, I wasn't happy in that environment. So I found things to keep me busy as, as a young child. And I share that story about the bikes because the first real job I ever had was I went to school to become an auto mechanic. So isn't that ironic that toolbox left behind, working on bikes, that that was my knowledge base at, at the time. And so I was fortunate when I was in high school, 
again, it was another one of those dots where, you know, the last two years of, of my junior and senior year, they still had vocational training back in 1974 now, okay? And they were only going to take two people to go into the automotive um, class, and I was one of the two. So there was another time where it's like, wow, this was destiny. I know that now. I didn't understand that then, but that saved me because I was not a good student. You know, I, I didn't do well, you know, uh, in today's uh, school environment, they probably would have medicated me. I was bouncing off the walls. I was ADD, ADHD, everything else that they didn't have defined back in the 70s. But I didn't do well in school. It just, I was bored. But I'll tell you, what a, a life-saving moment to be able to get out of school half the time in my junior and senior year and go work on cars. So I never passed the written test because my mind didn't think that way, but I was the only guy that could fix the car. So I ended up with an A in the class anyway because the, <laughs> the teacher said, I don't know how this is weird, Chris, but you have the ability to fix the car. You, you don't do well in a written test, but I still got to pass you with, with straight A's because you're the only guy that can fix the car. You know, So that was really a big um, breakthrough for me at that time. I got out of high school. I, I ended up graduating, which was my goal. It didn't, wasn't all about GPA then. It was just get my diploma. And I achieved that goal with about a D minus average, but it's okay. They didn't, you know, I got my diploma and I was hired by um, a guy at a, at a Chevron station in the Bay area as an apprentice mechanic. And so I would say he was probably, I don't know so much of a mentor, but a guy that, that was willing to take a, a chance on a young guy like me, he saw the drive and the passion in me about cars. And by the time I, I started working there at, at 17 and when I was 18, I started managing the station and actually working with another mechanic that was 40, that I was handling the business side of it. And the 40 year old was coaching me on, you know, how to become a better mechanic. And so the, the gentleman Lee Hogue at the time gave me a shot, you know, I didn't have any money. And he said, you know, Chris, your next step is you need to buy a toolbox. You got to have your own tools. I go, I don't have any money. I don't have any credit. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm giving you the 3000 for the tools you pay me back. So he was really the first guy in my life uh, as a male role model that believed in me. And because of that, I worked hard for him, you know, and he appreciated that. He was kind of a, wasn't on site all the time. He had another business. And so he entrusted his business in me. And I'm sitting here going, wow, I got to make sure this place runs right. And, and I did. And it was great. Um, How old were you then? I was 18. 18. When he entrusted. Yeah, when he entrusted me into that. And I thought, wow, what a a confidence that he had in me. And I wasn't going to let him down, you you know. And and I didn't. And and I really, uh, it was a fun, uh, you know, time working on cars. But at 18, I was still, I was a little runt. I graduated high school at 140 pounds. I never played sports. I was constantly picked on. And that was part of my anger. You know, and, and I had no self-esteem. I didn't have anybody to really talk to me about that. I wasn't involved in church or anything at that time in my life. So I was kind of on my own. Um, and then when I was 18 years old, uh, let's just say that would have been 1977, I went to watch the movie Rocky One. And that was another connect-the-dot pivotal moment in my life because Rocky One was all about the underdog. 
And man, did I connect with that. I was mesmerized. It was sitting at the front of my chair. And I thought, if he can do it, I can do it. And I said, enough is enough. The next day, I went out and bought a 300-pound weight set to work out at home. And that was the thing back then. You buy these 300-pound weight sets, you know, that you work out in your garage. Because I was too afraid to go to a gym. And I started working out with weights, uh, just self-taught, you know, watched, you know, they didn't have videos in, so you had to read manuals about how to lift the weights. And I started working out three days a week, running twice a week, and my body just started to respond really well uh, to the point where my confidence started growing. And then when my confidence grew, I was about 19 at that time, about a year later, I joined my first gym. I thought, I'm going to do this. And as I, when I joined that gym, it was just a men's only bodybuilding gym in, in Santa Clara, in the, in the Bay Area. And, uh, but my body kept growing to the point where people are like, dude, man, you should think about competing in bodybuilding. So here's a guy that never played a sport, never had any attention, never had a trophy to people starting to say, man, your body is changing. You, you should think about competitive bodybuilding. So I kept training, I kept growing, my confidence kept growing, and then I start falling in love with fitness because it changed my body, but what it really did was change me as a person because I all of a sudden now I have confidence. And so at 20, I start thinking, man, this guy is clueless. He doesn't know how to run a business. They're, they're never open on time. They, they don't say, they don't do what they say they're gonna do. The father of the guys that ran the, the gym was a, an alcoholic, so he would get mad, be, you know, drunk stupor and come in and take all the weights out of the, the, the gym and we're sitting there going, hey, you know, so I go, man, I could do a better job than that. So I had this vision, I'm gonna open my own gym, okay? So at age 21, this was my business plan. I found two other guys, my cousin and another uh, training partner of mine that worked out at that gym. And I said, we should open our own gym. What do you mean? They go, look, we know we could do a better job than these guys. So that was my business plan. They were in 2,500 square feet charging 20 a month. I said, we're going to move into 4,000 feet and charge 25 a month. And they're like, okay. So we each came up with our life savings at that time. This is 1980 of $10,000 each. So we had $30,000 to open up a gym. Now, my cousin was a fireman. My other friend was in high tech. And I'm an auto mechanic, you know. <laughs> so no, no, no credit, no, back, no experience. And then I found this this building that was perfect right down the street from the gym that we worked out in. And then uh, somebody goes, well, hey, Chris, did you ever think about how are you going to sign a lease at 21 years old? You know, your parents can't do it. You know, their parents didn't want to do it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to find, I'm going to go talk to the guy that owns this building. His, the guy's name was Stephen Dorsich. N- another pivotal time in my life. He was probably in his 30s at the time. He was one of the wealthiest developers in Silicon Valley because of his parents that started a development business, and then they ended up uh, unfortunately dying in a a plane crash, and he inherited the whole business. So I just said, I'm going to go talk to Steve Dorsich, and they're like, you're going to sit down with that guy? I go, what do I have to lose? And I just painted my passion and my vision, and he goes, you know, young man, I'm going to take a risk 
and I'm going to lease you this space, and I'm not only going to lease it for you, I'm going to pay to have it built out the way you need it. Hmm. Another moment in time that, how did that happen? You, you, you know, And so I look back, though, and I realize how it happened was I had a vision, and he got caught up in the vision, and the vision is what gives us the confidence, right? And when we're confident, the other people that are investing in you, in essence, because that's what he was doing. He was investing in us. And there was three of us sitting there, my other two partners, and he goes, so here's the last caveat. We signed the paperwork under one condition. You, Chris Kachera, is the CEO of this company, and you need to incorporate. And I go, what's incorporate mean? And he helped me set up a corporation and keep things legal. And at that moment, I thought, wow, I'm still working full-time as an auto mechanic, which I needed to do. and so for four years, I worked full-time as an auto mechanic. And every spare minute I had, I worked in the gym. We hired somebody to keep it going. And then in 1984, I retired from the automotive business and went full-time into the gym business. And uh, by that time, I was already competing in bodybuilding, uh, starting to do really well. And for the first time, I had a house, I wouldn't say full, but a room full of trophies, like for the first time in my life. That was my only sport I ever, ever did, played, was involved in. And, uh, and so that journey went on. I, I started in 4,000 square feet. I ended up expanding to 8,000 square feet because the first gym was just men only. Women really weren't even into exercise in, in 1980. And it was about 1983, the women started knocking on our door and literally picketing out front. Why aren't you open for women? And I thought, well, I guess that's our sign that we need to. So we remodeled that gym and went co-ed. You can imagine the women then at the time that joined, because we were a men's only bodybuilding gym, we're bodybuilders. So they were as big as we were. You know, these were some big, you know, that's what they wanted. Uh, And then in 1988, I went from the co-ed facility there, my first gym at 4,000 feet, and opened up 8,000 square feet uh, facility, more of a, a fitness center now. So we added, I was one of the first to do daycare and aerobics when everyone's like, what? what? You know, this was 1988. Now, here's what's really neat, what I learned again. In 1988 in Silicon Valley, we were in a big recession. So all my friends were in high tech. And what happened was everything went to China in 1988. So all the manufacturing was gone in Silicon Valley, which caused the market to just plummet. Commercial real estate plummeted. But the opportunity for me was that I got 8,000 square feet of space less than I had in 4,000 square feet. Another moment and then another owner of the building that took a risk on us and said, this is rocky times, but there's nobody else knocking on my door to, to take the space, so we'll go ahead and sign a lease with you guys, and you do it. Then we ended up, two years after that, knocking down the other wall and took, a, took on up to 20,000 square feet. So, you know, I spent 15 years in, in, the, in the health club business owning and operating my gyms, and then in 1995, I uh, ended up having to close it down because I went through a divorce, and... Uh, that was another pivotal time in my life, dark time, but looking back, probably one of the biggest blessings too, because I started learning more about me. And uh, at the time I had a son, I ended up full, with full custody of my son, only the second 
uh, male in Santa Clara County to ever get full custody of a child. So unfortunately, it tells you that mom fell off the deep end pretty bad. So I had to totally reinvent myself at that point because I didn't want to have brick and mortar businesses anymore because now I'm mom and dad overnight. Lost everything. Everything I started with, I had the American dream, you know, the house with the white picket fence, a wife, a business, everything was perfect. Everybody thought, man, you guys are the role model people in the community. And little did they know. Um, but I started all over with my son, a car, and I think a refrigerator and a bed. Because, <laughs> you know, I won't get into all the details, but it just, when you go through a divorce, 50-50 in California, it's quite a mess. So I had to basically close my business down, sold the assets, uh, worked out a deal with a local gym to honor my membership. So I took care of my members. And then I uh, said, okay, now what? What's my next step? And I thought, well, I've got to start a business that I could work around my son. And he was in, in second grade at that time. So I started a personal training business where I would go to people's homes. And then uh, while he was in school, but then when he was out of school, these were all big custom home gyms and, and, you know, high-end clients that I would bring my son with me. And they had swimming pools, tennis courts, basketball. So it was a dream for him. You know, again, another connect the dot, like how that all just worked out, you know. And then uh, from there. Was that an existing client from your gym that you wound up going to their home? Or how did that? Well, no, I marketed myself back then. They didn't have social media. Right. So you, you had like to do print marketing. Yeah, yeah. And app. so I started a business called Body by Chris. You and know, there was this guy. Yeah, there was a guy online called Body by Jake, and it became a real popular personal trainer. I thought, I'm just as good as a him. So I called Body by Chris. You know, I took a kind of a brand and I put that in the local newspaper and I started growing my my business that way, going to people's homes. Then from there, I actually started building home gyms for these these high end clients because there was at that time the money was flowing big in Silicon Valley. Stock options, people were building. You know, they went from 5,000 square feet to 10,000 to 40,000 square foot homes. They all wanted fancy gyms. So it was a great business for me to build the gym and then train them. And and I worked around my son's schedule. It was it was amazing and still was involved in his school and put on fundraisers. So it, it was a beautiful thing. And who would have known, you know, that uh, because of my divorce, that that was really the where I should have been, go where I needed to be going, you know. And then from there, that just started my coaching business. Um, and what I learned through all that was when I first started, I coached people with exercise and eating. But then I was fascinated why people sabotage themselves. So I started getting more into the mindset side of training, taking a holistic approach to coaching and saying, if I can help these people peel the onion back and figure out why they sabotage themselves, then they're going to do better eating and do better exercise. And so that's the path I started with my coaching. And really it was born out of my own personal experiences, you know? So I, I had played many roles. I was married, uh, a single dad, you know, owned my own business. And I went just my own life experience of what I went through became the foundation of my own training and, and understanding that, hey, I'm just because I'm the coach, I don't have it all figured out. And let me tell you, I've screwed up a lot, you know, but through that, I learned a lot and I wanted to pass that on, you know, to other people. 
And then uh, so that I, I stayed with that coaching business, you know, for for many years while we were still in the Bay Area. I had some other, you know, entrepreneurial endeavors there. I was started to build gyms for hotels and spas and high, you know, again, like they said, the high end homes, but real high end market. And so I was able to do that working out of the house and then was one of those guys that said, I'm never getting married again, you know, and then but. God had a different plan, and I met Julie that you know now on a blind date, and here we are married 21 years later with a, a daughter, Sophie, and my son's 32, and, you know, they're both doing well, and, and, and that was, you know, that raising kids that way and then blending families, I learned a lot, and that's another thing that I was able to use in my coaching from personal experience because a lot of times people ask me, where did you go to school or what's your degree in? I said, it would have been a lot cheaper to go to school. You know, I probably spent a million dollars for this degree. It's called real-life experience. Well, you're yeah, exactly. You're you're. It's way more than a tagline on your LinkedIn profile that says you were you went through the school of hard knocks. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is what you're talking about. That, that, that's <laughs> and, right. That, yeah, yeah. And that's way more than a four-year degree can, you know, can offer you. No, no. And, and school's great. And, yeah. and it's nothing against school. But for me, it didn't work. You know, it yeah. wasn't going to work. And, and I obviously internally was designed and born to be an entrepreneur. So I look back, and to this day, my mom says, oh, I'm still so sad. I couldn't give you the childhood I thought you should have had. I said, no. I had the greatest childhood because it taught me, it put me on a path to be an entrepreneur. Now, if everything would have been so-called perfect, whoever, who has a perfect childhood, when somebody tells me they had a perfect childhood, I'm thinking, oh, I'd love to hear this story. We all, you know, there's stuff that goes on, right? Everybody's got their challenges. But I, I, again, my childhood is what drove me. That was the passion and the motivation to not end up with a family dysfunction like I grew up in. Everybody has, I call, a giant inside of them that needs to be birthed, a, a, a vision, a passion, a gifting, a talent. Everyone has it. And it. the fun part is to try to find out what that is. And what I could say to people is that whatever challenges you're going through, inside those challenges probably is, is going to be part of your destiny there. You're going to learn... And that's where that discipline comes from. That's where the vision, the passion comes from frustration. That's right. You got to get frustrated first. So challenges could be your biggest blessing if we look at them that way. Mm -hmm. Because if everything went perfect as humans, we would screw up pretty good. We do a good enough job goofing up, you know, just that's just human nature. We find a way to goof things up. But um, you need challenges in, in life, you, you know. And I think if people that was taught more in school about finding, like for me, it was the gym. For me, that was my life-changing event. For somebody else, their gym could be music. It could be technology. It could be ministry. It could be fill in the blank. That's their gym. My gym was a physical gym. But everybody has their own gym that they go, wow, this is what's transforming my life. So uh, you've been in business now with this new venture for three years, mm -hmm. um, and you're about to make a pivot again, you know, you, taking all of this into and uh, 
engaging the community again. What what what's on the horizon for Chris Cachera in the next year, and and what's um, what's next for you? Well, no, great question. Thank you. And you know, the center is still going to keep going. You know, the goal is uh, it's a legacy business, so my daughter eventually is going to take it over. Uh, but what I learned in that this last 40 years, Kevin, in my journey is the importance of community. And everything that I was able to accomplish was accomplished through community. And that may be with one person, multiple people, but somehow I figured that out. I don't know how it happened, but it just did. And so when I look at today in 2021, coming off this one year of the pandemic and, and so many people have lost hope and businesses have gone under and there's so much devastation, you know, what, what are the silver linings that can come, come out of this? And so like prevention on purpose, when I had the vision for that and it exploded and the community loved it and we had upwards of 600 people at the Clark Center, you realize when you create something for the community, how much it's embraced. Well, we can't do big workshops and seminars right now because things are still closed. So I thought, what can I do though that I can influence instead of sitting there listening to the news and the radio, what's going to happen politically that I can't control, whether I like it or not, regardless of what side you're on. I can't, I can't influence any of that. So I had to shut all that off. And it was like the vision just came to me crystal clear one day and said, first and foremost, what is what are people starving for at the top of the pyramid? And that's social interaction, shaking hands, hugging people again. And, uh, you know, as you know, Mark, being a pastor, the churches have had to close. And that's been, that's been tough on the community because the church is such a, a great place for that, where people can go and be in community and, and hug and shake hands and just feel normal. And a lot of that's been taken away. So I thought, well, what I want to do first is find a venue that I know um, we can do at someone's home, a private event, and bring some like-minded people together. First and foremost, just fellowship. Maybe it's 50 people getting to know everybody. What do they do? How can we help your business? And so that started dwarfing into, well, let's create an initiative for the Central Coast. And the, the key word is build. So build the community, build churches, build businesses, build schools, you know, build ourselves. But what can we do to lift the community up? Because there's so many people out there that have gifts and talents. They just need someone to kind of help them birth that, right? And I just know that I know that I know that if we get enough people together and we share a vision uh, with like-minded people to lift the Central Coast up, there will be someone in that audience that says, I love that, what you're doing. I love what Kevin's doing, what Mark's doing. You know, I might not have time and talent, but I have money. Or I don't have money, but I have time and talent. But I'm excited about the vision. And and that takes me back to Stephen Dorsich. Remember, here's a billionaire that gave a 21-year-old kid an opportunity because he got caught up in my vision. And I did, that stuck with me all along. And, you know, when you paint a vision, not everybody's going to get it at first. But the ones that will, I think more now than ever, this vision that we're going to cast for the Central Coast, and you'll be starting to hear more and more about it, I, I see it crystal clear. I believe that it will be 
at least 5,000 people that are going to be part of this. And we're all going to help each other. We're going to lift each other up. What, who needs help and how can we help them? Because right now I don't see that going on. And we, we talk about the power of the people. It's all I ever hear, but nobody implements the power of the people. We wait for our politicians to do something, even on a local level. Well, that for me, that door's shut. So I believe that if we create a movement on the Central Coast that has proven itself to lift people up, all businesses' aspects, then the local politicians are going to come to us and say, we need your endorsement. And we're going to say, you know what? No, because we don't like your policies. You have not helped. So backwards, and, and I'm not against it. We need the local politicians, but I think we got to build a contingency of people that truly love and care about the Central Coast that are going to do things to advance it, not go backwards. And that's our vision is to lift that up first and then come in and start finding our way into the political side to where we can influence more through the government and, and, and such. But that's my vision. So in closing, Chris, I'm, I'm thinking of the kid that's at home right now and he's playing his video games 12 hours a day because they've been in isolation and locked down and still not going to school or he's, you know, on Zoom, you know, six hours and just uh, purposeless yeah. and, and, and just kind of hopeless. You, you've got a big vision. Where does a kid like that start? Where does he where does he take the first step, and how, how would you uh, motivate somebody like that? Coach Chris Kachera, how would you help a kid like that find his purpose and passion? Well, it's a great question, Kevin, and I, I would say the first thing he or she should be asking themselves is, what am I most frustrated about? What is it that I'm just not happy about? To the point where there is some anger there. You know, anger channeled in a good way is, is okay. You know, for me, I used to just hit the walls. You know, or hit the weights, but you've got to you've got to get to that emotion first. There's got to be enough of an anger inside that says, "I want to change." I may not have all the answers right now, but this is what's bothering the, me the most. And fill in the blank. There's no wrong answer. Whatever they decide to fill in, that's where they need to start to focus, and and try to find people that can help them there. And a lot of times, it may not be family, and that's okay too. But to look outside of you know, their mom and dad and siblings and, and, you know, maybe they need to connect at a church or they need to connect in a community of somewhere else and talk to people and share the frustration and share the passion that's, that, you know, and I know vision may seem too big for them right now, but look, kids are dreamers. We all dream. Start dreaming again, you know. Shut down some of that Zoom time. Shut down some of the online time and just start dreaming. And and if you and, and Google whatever it is that you're dreaming. Get excited about something. And you know, for any young adult lift, listening to this podcast, uh, you can figure out how they can get in touch with me, Kevin, and I'll give them a free copy of my book that's called Lessons for the Gym for Young Adults. And there's some great exercises that they can follow in there that will help them get to that place. It's too much to spend on the phone, but they can get a free book. That'd be my gift to those young kids and young adults out there that are, that want more, that just need a little direction. That would be my gift to them. 
That's great. Coach Chris Cachera, thank you so much for coming in. This has been a great interview, and uh, we're just looking forward for the uh, the outcome, the fruit, some uh, what's going to happen as a result of, of this and also your future endeavors that uh, we will be checking in on and uh, helping you promote because we have the same we have the same vision here. It's, yes. it's, it's, uh, we're, we're coming at it at a completely different. Uh, sector of uh, angle, but it's like it's the end game is the same thing to build up the community and help our kids uh, engage in their in their purpose. No, and I appreciate what you guys are doing. It takes a uh, it takes an army of people like minded, and you know we all know that our youth is the future, and so it's nice to see what you guys are doing pouring into the youth. Um, you know, there's no accident we all ended up in this room here today in 2021 because our hearts and our passions are for the same for youth and uh that drives me this initiative that we're starting is going to be with adults but the ultimate uh, result of it is to lift up the youth thank you for listening the impulse forum is a production of social clicks digital marketing Visit www.socialclicks.com for more information on how you can get your business dominating on the digital street. The Impulse Forum podcast is sponsored by Ed Car Carey and Mega 97.1 FM and Stacey Morse at genomicreative.com. Thank you again to our guest, Coach Chris Kachera. For more information about Coach Chris's ARX Resistance Training Program, or to receive your free copy of his book, Lessons from the Gym for Young Adults, contact Coach Chris at www.regenesis360.com. Our host is Pastor Mark Valadez. Our producer and sound engineer is Tim Motter. This episode was written and directed by Kevin Colton. Subscribe wherever you listen and email us at theimpulseforum at gmail.com to receive our newsletter. Pursue the Pulse today.